this up a little bit. Okay, that's hard to follow. I didn't know my pastor is such a good singer. <laughs> um, do you guys know Eli Buendia? Nobody? Eli Buendia here. <laughs> well, you have to research it. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Breathe with me. All right. One, take one deep breath. So, to ease my anxiety. <laughs> All right, on. Okay, so Pastor Joe asked me to deliver the message tonight. I didn't know that he has to, he also had to prepare, and that is to deliver you such a good song, right? To purify our hearts. It's a song, but at the same time, it's a prayer that we should all be praying for, right? So, Tonight, I, we all going through difficult times right now. And he asked me either to have a serious break or to continue with the series. I was having a hard time looking for the title of my message. So I come up with the series itself, Knowing God in Trying Times. So I don't have to keep wasting my time. Just thinking about it. Because it's already there. right? So knowing God in trying times. I have a question for all of you. Who among you here feel comfortable in life? That you have everything that you need. You have a car to go to work. You have a roof and a bed to lay your head at the end of the day. You are never hungry. So I want you... To raise your hand if you're comfortable. Okay? Okay? It seems like everyone's comfortable, right? Especially in America, we're comfortable. You know, my, my relatives in the Philippines ask me, is it really that good to live in the U.S.? And I said, to certain degrees, but I'm not rich. Not rich like everyone thinks in the Philippines. <laughs> Not even close. But definitely true. We have more comfort in the U.S. than anywhere else around the world. I'll say. That's based on my own opinion. You can argue with that. All right. But American culture is a culture of comfort. Right? Okay, I forgot one thing. We have to open in prayer. <laughs> See? Alright, so join me in prayer. Okay. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we praise you and thank you. For you are good and you are faithful, Lord God. Amidst all the things that are going on around us, you have remained faithful. We are still free to worship you tonight. You have the, we have the means for others to worship with us through technology, Lord God. Lord, I just ask that you will be with us tonight. Be in our midst, Lord God. Use me as your vessel, Lord, as your tool to deliver your message to your people. And I pray, Lord God, that you will touch everyone's heart tonight, that you will speak to them, Lord God. If there's anyone here tonight, Lord, that still hasn't 
committed his life or her life to you, I pray that this will be the night, Lord God, that that person will take you, will receive you as your Lord and Savior. Lord, be with us and thank you for you are great, Lord God. All the praises and the honor belongs to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, sorry about that. Alright, where was I? Okay, so American culture, right? So, is a culture of comfort. Even where we go, it's being sold to every one of us. Wherever you look, it's being sold. We're encouraged to do what we want, when we want, with whomever we want. If, if something is uncomfortable, we want to avoid it at all cost, right? The quest for comfort, for softness, for friendliness, and for familiarity, for a place to plop down and relax in peace, right? Seems perfectly neutral and for fundamentally American. So we love our lazy boy and our Netflix, right? They come... They go along together pretty well, right? With a show of hands, who has Netflix here? Or have access to Netflix? Raise your hand. Don't be lying. You're in church. Okay. See, we have Netflix. But I encourage you, since you already have Netflix, please watch the American Gospel. American Gospel in Christ alone. Please watch it. Spend some time to watch it. If you can binge watch any series you want, then you will have two or two hours to watch that. Okay, so please watch it. Right? In the US, or rather the world, since because we love comfort, prosperity preaching or prosperity gospel is now become, becoming more famous. Right? So, it is the gospel which promises cash, cash, C-A-S-H, and comfort, right? Prosperity gospel is very popular nowadays for two reasons. There's more reason to it, but I'll highlight two, right? So, first, they promise that you will be successful, that you will be blessed, right? With material things, with all the things that you dream of. Right. Secondly, you don't have to share the gospel to others. Right? So that's how you get away with Pastor Joe's message, messages to share the gospel every Sunday right? or every day of your life. So go to a prosperity church. <laughs> that's how you get away of evangelism. Right? So sec um, I have this one here. John John, it's not working. Okay. All right. Do you know David David Vetter or Veta? Veta. All right. So David Vetter is an American kid born in the 70s, right? For he died early. He died at the age of 12. And for most of his life or all of his life until the point of his death he lived in a bubble, right? He lived in a bubble. Just imagine that. His, his mom never touched him 
until the day that he passed away. Right. So for us Americans, we're already complaining of wearing masks. And it's just less than six months since it started. This guy lived in a bubble. He was called the bubble boy because he has a disorder called severe combined immunodeficiency syndrome, which it, it, it's a hereditary disease which dramatically weakens the immune system. So basically, if a virus such as coronavirus or even a flu virus, then he will die because he has no immune system to respond to it. So, just imagine that being in his situation, right? So, we'll, when our lives get comfortable, we tend to forget how desperately we need God. And that's the fact. We begin to feel numb, soft, and disconnected in our spiritual lives. As Christians, we have to embrace discomforts. It is good. It is a blessing, right? Because the gospel is not about comfort. Rather, Jesus even said that in this life you will have trouble. Right? That in this you will have trouble, but take heart, because he had overcome the world. In Hebrews 12:2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So even Jesus, when he saved you and me 2,000 years ago, it wasn't a walk in the park for him. He felt every pain that comes with it. Right? In the same way, the Bible tells us that we have to take up our cross daily. Not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday in prayer meeting, or Monday on the young adults, but daily, right? It will not be easy, but we have a God who is able, right? We're going through trying times right now. The world is going crazy, right? You go outside, it's smoky. It's like a taste of hell, <laughs> right? So it's very important that we have the right perspective of God. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, co despising, despising the shame, and come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Right? Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. The, the things we're going through right now might, might be difficult. But Jesus said that come to Him. If you are weary, if you're tired, come to Him. Because He will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? So It's so ironic because God tells you take up your cross daily. Taking up your cross is heavy. Right? It's never easy. But at the same time, God is, Jesus is telling you that His yoke is, is easy and His burden is light. So it's so comforting, right? 
So it is expected that we will face difficulties in life. The Bible said it clearly, right? That you will go through difficulties, especially if you're a Christian, right? You will go through difficulties. So, so it is expected. So are we going through trying times today? That's the question. Are we going through trying times today? What are, what are the evidences that we are going through trying times today? Let's look at it, right? So are we? So first, there's two kinds of problems. There's the Christian faith problems and the world problem, right, in general. So let's, um, there's more to this, but let's just look at a few. Christian faith problems, right, persecution. According to research, over 260 million Christians live, living in places living in places where they experience high level of persecution. 209, um, 11 Christians killed every day for their decision to follow Jesus. Right? 9,488 churches and other Christian buildings attack each year. So just imagine that. And here's the, another sad reality. 3,711 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. So for us Americans, we don't see this every day. But I tell you, go to North Korea, go to China, or Romania, or in the Middle East. Let's see how tough you are, right? How about the decline of Christianity, that it continues at a rapid pace? 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion, down to 12% percentage points over the past de decades, right? 65% only, down 12%. And we're not counting the real Christians there. That's just Christians in general as they identify their denomination, right? So... It's pretty, pretty sad. Every year, more than 4,000 churches close their door compared to just over 1,000 new churches starts. And that's in America. So we're becoming unchristian nation. How about the world problem? So world problems, we have world conflict. Actively, right now, there are 40 active conflicts around the world at the moment. Climate change. Not everyone believes this, right? But scientifically, it is true, right? Antarctica lost about 127 billion tons of ice per year between 1993 and 2016. And it tripled in the last decade. Right? So the world is sinking. How about pandemic? We're going through one right now, right? We're going through one right now. COVID-19, you know, is real. You can't deny it. There's no denying to it. You can argue with me that, you know, ah, it's just a flu. No, it is kind of like a flu, right? But it can be deadly, especially to the vulnerable ones, right? So it is there and it affected us in different ways. It could be financially, or it affected us in church, 
look at that, six feet apart from each other, right? So, these are the things that we're going through right now. How about this last one? The mantra of self-sufficiency and individualism. So, this is the cri a crisis that we, as humans, going through right now, right? So, the mantra of self-sufficiency. They call this also post-truth or post-modernism um, point of view, right? So what, what is it all about, right? What is it all about? It's basically, you can summarize it as basically you find your own meaning and live the best you can to find that, right? So YOLO, you live, you only live once, so might as well enjoy it, right? So that's the kind of point of view that especially young people is going through, right? So that is why a lot of young people leaves the church when they graduated high school. Because now they're not obliged to go with their parents. But instead, they have the freedom to choose their own. And as they go out there in schools, in colleges, they will be exposed to different kinds of point of view. Right? So, it is so ironic because, you know, they said that, um, they said that we are technologically and more advanced than ever before, right? But did you know that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S.? I love talking about suicide because I work with this kind of people, right? And here, locally, Right. Suicide is the first leading cause of death in Nevadans, ages 12 to 19 years old. And second leading cause of death for ages 20 to 44. Isn't that scary? Right now, you're sitting, to, uh, sitting with someone who's around that age. Right? So, it's really scary and it's true. Right? People are getting more depressed, getting more anxious. And getting, they, somehow they don't know how to deal with the problems, right? Um, who, who among you have seen the movie The Martian? The Martian. Okay, we got The Martians here. Matt Damon, right? So basically, um, The Martian is a story of an astronaut that went to Mars. And he got stuck there, right? His name was Mark Watney and finds himself stranded on Mars after an emergency evacuation of his place, of his space station. The story follows his incre incredible ingenuity, innovation, resilience uh, in fighting for survival. Right? But so he did all those things and then he got rescued eventually because he made all these um, efforts to make sure that the people on earth knows that he's alive. He got stuck there. He's all by himself. But in the end of that story, in the, in the end of that movie, one thing that struck me, or one thing that struck, if you've noticed it, is that he said while he was speaking with, um, with a group of people, group of cadets in NASA, he said that if you solve enough problem, you get to come home. If you solve enough problem, you get to come home, right? What's the problem with that, right? Because 
he was completely wrong. Yes, we have to um, praise him for his, for his dedication and for his hard work to make sure that he survived. But in the end, he, need, he needed someone to save him, to get him out of that, of that planet and to bring him back to Earth. Right? So, not because he was too good, but because someone else made the effort to bring him back home. Right? So, and that's, and that's the kind of thinking that the world is promoting. As you go out, out of these doors, that's what you're going to hear, right? That's what you're going to hear. Um, so, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, but understand this, that in the last days, there will be, there will come time of difficulties. There will come times of difficulties. So as Christians, we will certainly face difficulties of many forms. Right? So, um, and it's unavoidable. And sometimes it can be scary. And it's okay. It will be scary. That's why we have to know who God is. Because knowing the Lord is the only antidote that will help us overcome fear that comes with difficulties, right? So your perspective of God is very crucial, right? As we go through trials and tribulations of life, right? Your perspective of God is very crucial. How real God is to you, right? So what is the key in overcoming difficulties and fear, right? What is the key? We always go back to the Bible because the Bible is our manual, to live a good life, right? So, we always go back. And tonight, that's just an introduction, folks, so I hope I'm not putting you to sleep, right? So, we will learn from the life of David. From the life of David. We all know David, right? He's one of the most famous characters in the Bible. So, we're, we're going to look at Psalm 27, right? Three points tonight. For us to overcome fear and difficulties, we have to know God personally. Secondly, you have to pursue intimacy. And lastly, you have to bend your knees. You have to bend your knees. Right? So, let's all stand up so you don't fall asleep. And we'll all read this together. Psalm 27. And read with me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries, and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. For in the days of trouble, He will conceal me in His tabernacle. In the secret place of His tent, He will hide the rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies and around me. I will offer in His tent sacrifices, with shouts for joy, I will sing yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me, and answer me. When you said, 
Seek my face, my heart said to you. Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn yourself. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me in the level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desires of my heart, adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such violence. I would have despaired unless I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Amen. I, you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, let's jump into our first point. Know God personally. Why do we have to know God personally? Right? Why do we have to know God personally? Because David clearly said there, clearly said there that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Right? So it's clearly that David has a personal encounter with God. That he, David knows God really well. Because if he don't, God will not call him the man after his own heart. Right? So in Psalm 36, 9, first is, the Lord is my light. That's what David described God. Right? Psalm 36, 9, is, it reads, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. That sounds confusing. In your light, we see light. What it means is that in light of God, we see light. The idea is this. There are many things going on around the world. And many times, we don't know, we don't know the truth and we do not know the right perspective, right? Sometimes it's confusing, right? It's just like politics. They bite each other in every chance they get, right? So... All they do is confuse you, right? So, fake news are rampant everywhere, right? Even mainstream media are biased, so it's not worth watching for. So, you have to do your own research, right? So, what it means that, um, what it means is, is this. In 2 Corinthians 4 to 3, um, chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, it reads, and even if our gospel is veiled, it means that even if it has covering, right? That's what veiled means. Um, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, right? The gospel... The good news about Jesus is something people don't understand for the most part, right? And, you know, when you go out there and you tell them about Jesus, don't be discouraged if they don't get it in the first place, right? Because it's clearly said there that in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, right? It means that they were blinded. Who is the God of this world? Satan, right? So... 
Satan has blinded our, the minds of the unbelieving. So no wonder why, when we share the gospel, not everyone understands it. So, in John 8, in John 8 to 12, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right? So Jesus is the light of this world. So if you have Jesus, without Jesus, you will be in darkness. But once we follow Jesus, we will be able to see the truth. Right? You will be able to see the truth. How do you determine what is right and what is wrong? Right? So, just like David, he has the right perspective of who God is. He knew that God is the, is the one that will show him the truth. God will be the one that will provide him directions. He has God's perspective as he faces difficulties. So, it's the same for us. As we face difficulties, we seek God's guidance, God's light. That he will light our path, right? So, and secondly, David described God as the Lord is my salvation. The Lord, L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D, means that's the name of the Lord, Yahweh. I am who I am, right? That's what Pastor Joe discussed last week, right? So, God is my salvation. You know, salvation begins with knowing who God is. Salvation begins with knowing who God is. In John 17, verse 3, it reads, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Right? So the key to eternal life is relationship with God through Jesus. Nothing else. You can't add anything to it. And you can't take away anything to it. It is only through that. Right? So, and lastly, um, the Lord is my stronghold and protection. That's how David described God. Right? David also said that the Lord is his refuge, his fortress, his security. Right? In John 17 verse 3, it reads, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Right? So if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are secured in His hand. Right? Salvation is in Jesus. They will never perish, which means security. Right? On top of that, Jesus gave us assurance that no one will snatch you out of His hand. It is not your grip on Jesus, Jesus that is important. It is His grip. It is His grip. You are secured in Him. He will never let you go. You're at the center of His palm. Right? So, don't doubt your salvation. Right? Because God will always hold on to that, to His promises. So, how do you overcome fear and difficulties? Right? How do you overcome fears and difficulties? You have to have a personal relationship with God. Right? You have to know Him. You have to know who God is, which is our light, our salvation, and our security. And that's exactly what David showed us. Right? He's so intimate with God. 
In in Psalm 27, verse 2 to 3, it reads, When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries, and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though, I, though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. So that's how confident David is with God, right? Did David wrote this in his lazy boy and watching Netflix at the same time? No, no. David wrote, wrote all these in the midst of his difficulties, in the midst of war. David was not writing this in his palace, right? On his couch. He was in the midst of danger. Notice, it says, um, host. Host means that there are group of people after him, right? There are armies after his own head, right? So, David was a man who understood the meaning of being a fugitive. If you know the story of David, the government was after him, right? King Saul, or Saul, right, was after him. He wanted to kill, kill David, right? Um... People wanted to kill him. So David understood what fear is. Do you think he, he wasn't scared at all? No, he was scared. But at the same time, he has a God he can rely on. Right? He's very intimate with God. He understood what danger is. But at the same time, he said, My heart will not fear. Right? My heart will not fear. How did he overcome fear and difficulties? David had a personal relationship with God that he was confident and secured. So, in Psalm 27.4, it reads that, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. And this is, and this should be our prayer, right? So we have to pursue intimacy. That leads us to our next point, to pursue intimacy, right? So as you know God personally, you have to pursue intimacy, right? It's one thing to know God, but if you have a personal relationship with God, God begins to give you hunger to know Him even more because you can never um, you can never know enough of God, right? He's all-powerful. He's infinite, right? So you can never um, learn enough from God. One thing I have asked, that means priority, right? One thing I have asked, it means that his priority in his life is not women, right? Even though we know he fell and sinned for adultery. But one thing he asked from the Lord, that he shall seek and he will dwell in the house of the Lord. Dwell means that he will worship, he will gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, right? All the days of his life. Um... It is the same for all of us. Apart from God revealing Himself, we will never in be intimate with Him. Right? So God always initiates. 
don't think, don't get it confused that you have something to do with your salvation or knowing God, right? Because God always initiate, right? So for you to know somebody, I can say that I know the president, right? But I just know his name, right? So, but I don't really know him personally. I just know him because he's the president, right? To be able to know somebody, a person must be willing to take you to his confidence and reveal himself. And that's what God has done for us. Right? He initiated, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, for you and me. So that we have a way to know Him personally. Because without Jesus, it is impossible for us to please God. Right? It is impossible. So, we all pursue different things. Right? We all pursue different things. All things must be secondary. And that's what David is all about. His priority is God and everything else is secondary. That leads us to our third point, right? Bend your knees. And this is the beauty about David's life. Is that he's quick. He is quick to run towards God, right? When he messes up, he runs towards God. When he when he faces difficult problems, he worships God, right? So the more you know God, the more you would like to pray. The more you know God, the more you would like to pray. In Psalm 27, verse 7 to 8, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. That means that I cry with my voice. So he is really intimate with God to a point where he's completely honest with God. Right? And at the same time, he's obedient. To God. When the Lord said, seek my face, all he did is seek his face. He worshiped him. Right? David's prayer is very honest and personal. And that's how we should pray as Christians. So that we have to be honest with him. Uh, like uh, having a conversation with a friend. Right? So, you can be completely honest with God because he always listens. David listens and he obeys. Prayer life is not just one-way communication, folks. It's two-way. And that's why in James 4.8, it reads, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right? So, there's only one thing that prevents us from being blessed by God. You know, we pray, and sometimes we don't get the answer. You know what's um, hindering that? Is sin. Right? That's why James knew that if you want God to draw near to you, then cleanse your hands. That means ask for forgiveness. Purify your hearts, right? Because God forgives, right? God forgives. Um, David is really quick to ask for forgiveness and he was submissive to God. So David knows that without God, he is completely nothing. So complete dependence upon God is what we need, especially in the midst of all these difficulties. In the same way, we have to depend on God. Life will be full of difficulties, but if you know how powerful and how mighty God is, right, then there is nothing to be afraid of. There is nothing to be afraid of. 
So first, what do you have to do to overcome difficulties? Know God personally. Secondly, pursue intimacy. Third, bend your knees. Bend your knees. Right? So, I like this. Um, and this is, I'm going to skip this a little bit because I'm 40 minutes already. <laughs> right? So, but it basically means, this is another um, prayer of David. is Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. That means that, you know, the, be the very best friend you have that, you know, you think will never um, abandon you or never leave you, every single person that you know will at some point will fail you. But God will never fail you. He will always be faithful. He will always be faithful. So seek Him and wait on the Lord. This is to conclude. Seek Him and wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 11 to 14. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desires of my adversaries. False witnesses have risen against me, and such as breath out of violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take refuge. Yes, wait for the Lord. Right? David declared that, this, that his hope is upon the Lord. Right? And as Christians, you know, we have a blessed hope. If you're a believer of Christ, then you have a blessed hope. And all we have to do is be faithful and wait upon Him. Wait upon Him. The only... Um, how do we know the ways of the Lord? But the, as we wait, do, we have to know the ways of the Lord. right? So how do we know? In Psalm 129.26, it reads, I have told of my ways, and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. That means that the secret of overcoming fear in the midst of these difficulties is within our grasp. It is within our grasp. It is in your cabinet or in a bookshelf somewhere. Um, and it's accumulating dust. Right? So, we have the best gift we could ever have right now. Right? So, so and that is the Bible. Right? So, we must invest time in studying the Bible if we want to, to be more intimate with Him. Right? Don't just pull, um, take your Bible on Sundays, but every day. Right? Every day. You have to read it. When we completely depend and put our trust on Him, we will, he, we will succumb to our fear as we face trying times. Right? So we will succumb if we don't have God in our side. The process may take time, but like David, we continue to wait on the Lord. God knows the perfect time. Right? So, life might be difficult right now for all of us in whatever ways it is. But God is also in control. Right? So, Jesus is our hope. One day, 
He will come back and take us with Him. And that's our blessed hope, right? Because this life is temporary, right? Whatever you're investing with and um, whatever you're pursuing right now, the, those things will remain here, right? You can't take it with you, right? Because life is temporary. I've already said this in my previous, um, the last time I was here. C.S. Lewis once said that this life is just the introduction, right? And the next chapter is better. And the chapter after that is more better, right? Because we have, the, we have eternity with God. Until then, we remain steadfast in seeking to know Him and put our hope in Him. Right? I would like to end with this verse in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Right? It reads, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. We should always, always be with the Lord. Right? Nothing can separate us from God. Right? And I just can't wait for that. Right? And I know it's true to everyone, to all of you. Right? But as for now, as for now, as we wait for our blessed hope, we have to hold on to Him. Know Him more. Right? Pursue intimacy and bend your knees. I'd like to end with this short video. Jan Jan, hit it. <laughs> So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus face to face? Right? Because the time we're in right now, it's worth heading towards the right directions. Right? It's, there's nothing surprising with what's going on in the world. Right? But the question is, are you ready? Right? If you have a personal relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then it's good. Right? That's good. It's very good. But as Christians as well, are you ready to answer Him when He asks you, what have you done for me? Right? What have you done for me? So are you ready, church? Right? Let's close in prayer. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we just praise you and thank you, Lord God, for being in our midst tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your good you're faithful, 
your all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present God, that in the midst of our difficulties and trials, you are with us. And we hold on to our blessed hope, Lord God, that you one day you will come and get us, and we will be with you always. Lord, as we wait upon our blessed hope, I pray that we will continue to know you even more. We will continue to pursue intimacy with you, and we will continue to be prayerful, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will speak again, be with us for the rest of the night and for the rest of the week. What we've learned here, here tonight, Lord God, help us to apply it in our lives, Lord God. Thank you again, Lord God, and all the praises and honor and praise belongs to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.